Our scripture reading this morning is from Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to start at verse 11. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for the works for works of service, so that the body of Christ would be built up until we all reach the unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we shall no, shall no longer be infants tossed back and forth by waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. This is the word of God. Would you pray with me again? Lord, come and speak through your word, I pray. Teach us this morning. Um, open our eyes to new things and insights. Uh, strengthen our church in maturity. Uh, it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. If I were to have a... Um, an acorn in my hands. I wish I'd gotten one. Um, that little package of of um, nature, of of DNA, of materials, is designed to do something. What is it designed to do? To grow, to mature, to become something that, if you compared the acorn to the oak tree, would be unrecognizably different, right? Or take a newborn baby. When you hold a, a newborn baby in your arms, I'm thinking of when each of our children was born, every cell in the, that body is designed to, is striving for maturity and growth, right? And flourishing and thriving. And it's the same with the church. The church is actually designed to be growing and maturing and reaching the purpose for which it was created. And so this morning, this is our, our second um, sermon in, in talking about our membership covenants, what it means to be a church together. Um, so I'm going to read the second paragraph of our church covenant, which says, We engage, therefore by the aid of the Holy Spirit to walk together in Christian love, to strive for the advancement of this church. Remember, when you see the word church, think bodies, not buildings. Bodies, not buildings. The advancement of this church in knowledge, holiness, and comfort to promote its prosperity and spirituality, to sustain in worship, ordinances, discipline, and doctrines to contribute cheerfully and regularly to the support of the ministry, the expenses of the church, the relief of the poor, and the spread of the gospel through all nations. Now the key phrase that sticks out to me in this paragraph is to strive together for the advancement of this church. I think this whole paragraph is saying we want our church to succeed, right? 
We want it to grow in the ways God wants it to grow. And here's what we will do to help the church succeed. But when we talk about the success or the growth or the maturity of the church, what does that mean? Does it mean getting more people in the door? Does it mean offering more and better programs? Does it mean having a um, better, you know, more solid investment or more money in the bank? Does it mean we give more to missions? Does it mean we make sure that we're really friendly? How do we measure success? We really need to know that because church members are committed to the success of the church. So what is success? Well, all those things I mentioned might be part of it, but I want to try to show you this morning what true success for the church is and then how it can happen. So, so what success is and then what it needs to happen. And we're going to look at this great passage from Ephesians 4. We can't unpack every part of it, but I'm going to draw some things out of this text that Lorinda read and use our membership covenant to illustrate um, what church success is and how it can happen. So first, what is success? Um, by the way, if you have a Bible, go ahead and open it up to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians is near the end of the New Testament. So it goes Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. One of the shorter letters near the end. Ephesians chapter 4. Paul is writing um, to a church in the city of Ephesus. And uh, it's interesting in this passage from Ephesians 4, the, the Apostle Paul uses one of his favorite word pictures or metaphors for the church. He talks about the church as a body, like a human body. Um, the church is the body of Jesus. And he tells these Christians in Ephesus, um, and today, he tells us today what success looks like. Success is maturity. If the church is a body, then success equals maturity. Maturity. So take that example of a body. When a baby is born, you don't want a baby to stay a baby forever, right? Nor do you want it to just become a bigger baby. Hat tip to James Tromley for that, who used that metaphor in another context. You want it to be um, a more mature human being. Right to grow, to develop, to learn, to change. And that's the same with the church. Success for the church means growing up in Christ and becoming more and more connected to him. So let's look at this um, starting in verse 12, the second half of verse 12 here. Oh, sorry, just starting in verse 12. Um, so the goal is, you know, Jesus gave gifts to his people, verse 12, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. 
Then he says in verse 14, Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching. Verse 15, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head, that is, Jesus Christ. I realized I gave the wrong scripture reference. It should go from um, 11 all the way to 16 rather than 14. But do you see the, the idea of maturity, growth and maturity here? Um, to, to, to live as God's people in ever-increasing connection to and dependence on Jesus. Now look at how our church covenant articulates that same goal to strive for the advancement of this church in knowledge holiness and comfort to promote its prosperity and spirituality to sustain in worship ordinances discipline and doctrines so let's look at that first phrase knowledge to strive for advancement in knowledge Um, you can't believe in what you don't know right We need to understand and to know what the Bible says, who Jesus is, what he's done to save us, the whole whole Bible story. But mere knowledge doesn't change us, doesn't make us mature. I know a lot of really smart Christians who don't seem like mature believers. That's why we also say we need to advance in holiness which is becoming more and more like Jesus. Not washing up, not cleaning up our behavior and our clothes and our reputations, but actually from the inside out, living like Jesus, doing what he would do if he were us. Holiness. Rejecting sin and embracing what's good. Um, And as we grow in knowledge... In knowledge of God and as, as a spirit works in our lives, we should be becoming more holy, more like Jesus. Hopefully that is a thrilling idea to you, right? Some of us have some bad ideas of what holiness is. It's actually becoming more loving, becoming more forgiving, becoming more pure-hearted, becoming a, a, more like Jesus, but then what about this next phrase? To strive for the advancement in knowledge, holiness, and comfort. Comfort. Well, we probably could upgrade the, the seating a little bit to help with that. I don't have to sit in those hard pews every week like you do. Um, no, I, li- I like our pews. But this, this phrase, comfort, threw me off for a while because it's not like we want the church to be this cushy, comfortable, feel-good place. What is comfort talking about? I think it's talking about this, that the forgiveness and love and acceptance of Jesus that we talk about should actually be deeply felt and experienced, right? That this should be a place that provides you with deep spiritual comfort in Christ. So let me put it to you this way. When you are having a bad week, when you're feeling beaten down or discouraged or ashamed about something, is church a place you long to be 
Or is it a place you can't wait to leave so you can go back to showing who you really are and how you really feel? If, if we are experiencing the comfort of the gospel, then church will be a place we long to come to. To be comforted, to be encouraged, to be reminded of and, and to feel these deep truths that we talk about, right? So to strive for the advancement in, in knowledge, holiness, and comfort. Now look at this phrase, to promote its spirituality, prosperity and spirituality. We're not talking about financial prosperity, although that might, that might, there's a minimum we need to be a church. But spirituality is like, um, is the depth of who we are in Christ. We want to grow deeply um, into, into our faith. Now look at this phrase, to sustain in worship ordinances, discipline, and doctrines. So if the church is a body growing in Christ, then we need regular food and drink. We need regular worship, regular ordinances, which is celebrating the Lord's Supper and baptism. We need structure, discipline, and doctrines, truth. So, worship is coming together to delight in God, to be God's people, um, to delight in Him, to praise Him, to offer ourselves to Him. That is so important to what we do. It's not flashy. It doesn't seem like we're really accomplishing anything when we come to worship, but that's like the heartbeat of who we are as a church. Worship. Ordinances. Baptism and the Lord's Supper. Baptism um, is, the, is how Jesus commanded that people become disciples and enter into the church. And the Lord's Supper is what he left us with how to celebrate our salvation. So the church will go on doing those two things until Jesus comes back. What about discipline? That's not a, I should say, that is kind of a prickly word, isn't it? Well, in a way, everything we do as a church is discipline. The discipline of gathering to worship, the discipline of prayer, the discipline of Bible study, the discipline of celebration, and service and all the things we do individually and together in Christ. But there's also sometimes and when discipline means something more pointed, when we warn each other or admonish each other if we're going astray. If someone is living in a way that contradicts their confession of faith or that is damage church for their sin. We need to confront that person and warn them and ask them to repent. And the goal is always restoration and repentance. Hopefully that's a very rare thing, but that's, that's part of having a disciplined, orderly church. You know, when you're raising a child, if you want that child to mature, they need regular correction, don't they? And most of the time, it's just little daily stuff. Once in a while, there needs to be stronger correction so that that person will, that child will um, stay on the right track. What about doctrines? Well, doctrine means teaching. 
So we need to keep teaching and keep learning and grounding ourselves in the truths of Scripture. In this passage in Ephesians, it's interesting. It seems like the primary concern in Paul's mind that will, the thing that may stunt the growth of the church is false teaching. I don't think we really register false teaching as that much of a big deal today. But it is. There are so many false teachings that come to us in the name of Christianity that will stunt our growth as a church, that will, that will um, destroy our ability to mature. So the false teaching of God and country Christian nationalism, that's a false teaching. The false teaching of progressive love everybody, um, all truth is relative, false gospel. That's, that's destructive. Maybe the teaching of um, health and wealth, prosperity gospel. That's a false gospel. Or the teaching of fundamentalist, legalistic, external change religion. That's a false teaching. There's so many things that will, will destroy us. And, you know, I don't claim that our church is some doctrinally pure, you know, church 100% of the time, but I think we're on the right track of sticking to the Bible in, in, in all of what it says and in committing to follow Jesus where he leads us. And that's what we need to keep doing. And as a church member, you need to be committed to that with us as well. So if you and I have a child that you want, well, let's say, if there's a child who wants, you want to mature, what do they need? They need nourishment, regular nourishment again and again, like our worship, like our enjoying the Lord's Supper, like our teaching. A child needs a home where they know they're loved, like the comfort of the gospel. A child needs exercise and training and correction like our discipline and our doctrines. So that's what success looks like for a church, is to become mature in Christ, as the body of Christ. It doesn't necessarily mean getting more people in the door or making a bigger splash in the world or giving away more money, although those could be involved. It means that the people who come through the doors will become more like Jesus. That's what the goal is, maturity in Christ. Now, so that's my first point. Success equals maturity. Now, here's the second point. Maturity takes all of us. Maturity takes all of us. If we're going to keep growing as a church it will take all of us exercising our faith and our gifts in the body of Christ. And if anything, this is the point I really want to hammer home today. It takes all of us. Being a church member is a commitment to use your gifts, your skills, your faith in the body. To be connected to the body. What's the first word in this paragraph of our membership covenant? 
You may not have a copy there, but I'll tell you, it's we. We engage, therefore, to do these things. And then it says walking together in Christian love. Right? This is something we have to do together. There's no other way. We're on a journey together. Look at how Paul says this in verse 16. He says, From him, that is Jesus, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. As each part does its work. Everyone in the body of Christ has a part, a vital part to play. If you, let's say your liver or your lung, left lung or your right leg stops working one day, that's called a problem. <laughs> that's called a visit to the ER or maybe an illness. You need every part of your body to be working, to thrive. I'm sure all, many of you today are like, yep, there's a certain part of my body that's not doing its job today and I can feel it. It's the same in the body of Christ. We, every one of us has a part to play, has a function in the body to lead our whole church toward maturity. Um, and I want to clear up a big misconception that, that some of you might have. The misconception is that the ministry of our church is done by the minister, by me. And I know it could be easy to believe because you see me up here every week um, doing these ministry things, teaching and preaching and praying, and right? That's what the pastor does. He does the ministry. And um, perhaps sometimes I contribute to that misconception by uh, doing a little too much up here sometimes. <laughs> but look, just, just look at this passage in verses 11 through 12, 11 and 12. Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. Now pause. So apostles and prophets were kind of the foundation of the church. They don't exist today in the same way that they did back then. But we do have evangelists, people who preach the gospel, shepherds, pastors, teachers. And so what are these people for? Look what it says. Jesus gave all these people to uh, equip his people for works of ministry, for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up. So who is doing the ministry? Who is doing the service? Not the minister. I'm part of it. My job is to equip you to build up the church to equip you for works of service and ministry. That's why our covenant says we will strive for the advancement of this church. Not the pastor and the deacons will strive for the advancement of this church. The ministry of the church of the gospel belongs to you. This is like the democratization of gospel ministry. Now, 
sure, it does happen through me preaching and through the deacons leading and through the trustees deciding how to use our money wisely and through Nancy making sure we keep track of it wisely and through, you know, all these official roles. But it also happens through, um, through Lorinda and Amy and Amy teaching Sunday school and, and others teaching Sunday school. It happens through um, Robin organizing meals for Barry and Phyllis. It happens through um, small group Bible studies where people teach and challenge and encourage one another. It happens when you are prompted to call that person and see how they're doing or send a card of encouragement to someone or even pray for someone in this church by yourself that no one ever knows that happens but you pray for them. That's ministry. And we need all of that to be a maturing, functioning church. We need all your gifts, all your, both your natural gifts and your spiritual gifts, things that God enables you to do beyond your strength. Hmm. There's one more way our covenant spells this out. Then near the end it says to contribute to contribute cheerfully and regularly to the support of the ministry the expenses of the church the relief of the poor and the spread of the gospel through all nations I believe the primary reference in that is to financial contribution which is certainly true but the idea of con- contributing to the ministry of the church happens in so many more ways. I like to think of it in three ways as your time, your talents, and your treasure. So first, you need to contribute your time to to show up here. Um, And it's not just showing up to do things. It's showing up to be with the body. There's a certain gift that you are to everyone else that that you can only give by being you and by being here with us. I know that some of you, because of COVID, are, are not feeling comfortable being with us pre- uh, physically here now. I'm speaking to the camera at this point. Um, and I get that. We get that. And we hope there's a day soon when we will all be able to be together. Because being together, our time is, is a contribution What about your talents? Each one of you has natural abilities, things you're just good at, and also things that the Spirit has given you for others. Maybe a word of insight for someone, or the gift of faith and prayer, or the gift of um, mercy, or helping. And we need all of your gifts, both the spiritual and the, the um, natural, so to speak, for our church to function. Um, and by the way, you don't have to be a church member to use your gifts here. We want everyone to use your gifts here. It's only that church members commit to using their gifts here to say, I'm a part of this body and I'm going to function in this body. Um, now, 
what gifts do you have that the church might need? I just want to pause and first of all affirm and say there are so many people using different gifts. It is so encouraging. A few weeks ago, um, I was was with Willa during the Sunday school hour and I just was kind of walking around looking in on all of the different classes. You know, at Amy and Sarah teaching the first and second graders and Amy and Sarah teaching the the pre-K and kindergartners and Rebecca teaching the middle school group and Dennis teaching the adults and Lorinda teaching three through five and and someone else was teaching the high school class and I just felt like so encouraged that all of these people were were teaching our kids and our adults about the Lord. And each week I, I see examples of you using your gifts and showing up to help. And it's so encouraging. But you know what? I think there are still gifts that are dormant in our church that need to be called out. There are ways that we can mature in Christ that we won't even know about until you bring your gift forward and say, well, it doesn't seem like much, but could you use this? You know, I don't have anything huge to share, but but what about this? Don't underestimate your gift. The body of Christ needs it to be built up. So that's your talent. Finally, it takes treasure. It does take money, your hard-earned money for a church to function, for not only doing things like maintaining this beautiful building, which we never want to be you know, what we spend most of our money on, but it, it's like a home, keeping up a home. And more importantly, giving, giving to the community, giving to missions, giving to the world. That's what the church is called to do. Giving to people like the Tejadas who are trying to, to train pastors in Costa Rica. Or giving to American Baptist missionaries all over the world, planting churches and, and discipling people. We, we need your treasure for this church to mature in Christ. There's a church I know in this area who has committed to every single year give 1% more of their budget to missions. And they made that commitment about 25 years ago. So now they're giving about a quarter of all their budget to missions. I think that's commendable. Well, I know that we've, we've kind of tried to cover a lot this morning. I just want to bring you back to verses 13 and 14 in this passage and help you see once again this beautiful goal that the church is growing toward. Paul writes, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Notice those words, until we all reach unity, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Those are big, inclusive, expansive words. That is a beautiful vision. That's an awesome vision for what the church is. You might look around today and, 
And the church looks more like an acorn than an oak tree in some cases. Maybe you feel that way personally. But listen, when we are connected to Jesus, the head, we will grow in maturity. And that is worth striving for. That is worth striving for. The very first line of the covenant says, we will do this by the aid of the Holy Spirit. Think of that as like the breath in our lungs, in our body. And the fact is we can't do this on our own. We can't just strive and, and, and be strong enough to do these things. But as the body of Christ connected to him, nourished and, and oxygenated by his spirit, we can and we will. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that we are part of something um, that would knock our socks off if we could really see what it was. If we could see what this goal is of being totally united to Christ and saturated in your love and in with your life coursing through us, I think we would be thrilled. We would be um, just wonderstruck. Keep in our minds, in our vision, a picture of, of what the goal is for the church and by extension for our church. And I pray that because of this great vision and because of your help, we would strive ourselves. We would that every cell in this body would work toward the maturity of your church. God, thank you for all of the ways that gifts and abilities and um, uh, contributions are being offered here in our church. And we pray for others to um, to emerge and to come forward. We pray that you would teach us, um, show us ways that we are Uh, maturing and on track and show us ways that we might be stunted or might not be maturing. So um, uh, would you illuminate, illuminate that for us? And we just uh, commit the future and the present of this church to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.